Happy Canada Day, my friends. Happy Canada Day. You're not celebrating this day. <laughs> you know what? Um, Canada has been a source of joy and uh, a source of haven for immigrants and refugees. And so for immigrants and refugees, this is a place where you could just be so grateful for. But I, I think that's the same thing that I would be asking of you today. What are you grateful for, for being a Canadian? Are there things that you could be thankful for for that? As a Canadian citizen? Or a permanent resident? Or just being here in Canada? And so, the fact that we are here are only enough reasons for us to be just so be grateful to God. And speaking of gratefulness, that's what we would be reflecting on today. What does it mean to be grateful? What does it mean to be happy? And so as we start, uh, I'm asking you this basic question. What makes you happy? It's a very simple question. What makes you happy? Now, when you came into the sanctuary, you were given that white piece of paper and perhaps a pen. And I'd like you to answer that question. What makes you happy? It might be just one word or a phrase. But what makes you happy? For those who don't have any piece of paper, can you raise your hand so that the, the ushers can give it to you? Pens? Here on my left. And let, let's be fast. And also, uh, Eric, uh, Sue and uh, Jim need a piece of paper. But just answer that question. What makes you happy? And then we would be collecting your answers and tabulate that later on. I'll give you a few, well, a minute to do that. What makes you happy? Not just as being Canadian, but just in anything in general. And let us see later on what would make you happy. If you're done, um, you could give that to the ushers. Ushers, can I request you to collect the responses? And then I would like to request the ushers to please uh, tabulate the result. And I will be getting the result of that later on. I will know your answers, but you don't need to put your names there. But thank you so much for answering that question. Now, a survey was done. In terms of this question, a survey was done about what makes people happy. And the results are this. So I would, I would like you to compare your answers to these results, okay? So one of the researchers, one of the studies about happiness had these results about what makes people happy. First, family and relationships. So I'm not sure who among you answered that. Second, meaningful work. That's one of the answers. 
Third, positive thinking. Fourth, gratitude. Fifth, forgiveness. Next, giving to others. And then, religion or spirituality. That seems to be at the lowest bottom. And then, personal freedom. Good health. And then, lo and behold, watching TV. (laughs) Yeah, that's the result of the survey. Interesting, right? And so try to compare your answers to, that, to, to the answers that were given in that survey. But there was a global survey done in 2021. This is one of the latest surveys on global happiness, and it was done by Ipsos, which is a, an international uh, survey organization. And the result was this. Can, can you show that slide? Now, if you would notice, I'd like uh, for you to focus your attention on the dark green portion, because that speaks of the number of people that speak of, I think, 61 indicators on happiness. Sorry, yes, uh, 31 propositions on happiness. And if you would notice that on that dark green column, there are only two items where majority of the respondents of 20,000 from all over the world spoke of that which could give them happiness. And what are those? The top two most portion? physical and mental well-being. Interesting. Why is that the case, by the way? Perhaps it might be because this was just after the pandemic and people were really struggling with health. But physical and mental well-being are two ways that would make people happy, and this is what people are searching for. Interestingly, of course, these are the ways that we are looking for happiness in our lives. When you look at those items or indicators that have been mentioned in those surveys, you would notice that happiness is always equated with things that are outside of us. But the truth is that is happiness. Happiness is always sourced from the outside. In fact, the word happiness comes from an old Norse or Icelandic word, the root word hap, H-A-P which means luck, chance, or circumstance. So in a way, it's not, it's not difficult for us to assume then that when we speak of happiness, we are always looking for things which are outside of us, things that are external. And that's why happiness, my friends, happiness is an emotional response to an external situation. Let me make that clear. Happiness is an emotional response to an external situation. And for us and for many of of the people of this world, this is always what we are looking for. We are always looking for things outside of us that could make us happy. For many people, they would be looking for this in so many ways, whether it might be perhaps looking for happiness through a new relationship. People tend to think as well that when you have a good job, you would be happy. People would tend to think as well that when they have a better income, they would be happy as well. If they have material things, then they would be contented and they won't be searching for anything else. But the truth is, those things don't really provide full satisfaction. How many people who are so rich 
who have actually expressed their own unhappiness and how many rich people actually have even taken away their lives because of the fact that they have been so unhappy. And we are always searching for this. We are always searching for things that could satisfy us. But you see, my friends, the biblical way tries to veer us away from happiness. Actually, the Bible does not speak of happiness. It speaks of joy. The Bible tries to veer us away from that aspect of happiness, from that which is external, towards that which which gives us joy, and so that we could rejoice. These are the things that that could fully satisfy. And so we would be reflecting on that aspect of joy and rejoicing today from that biblical perspective, because that's where Scripture is leading us into. And what other way to speak of joy than to reflect of that from the perspective of Paul? A person who has just expressed in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul did not say, look for that which would make you happy. Never could you find something in all of scripture and even in the writings of Paul about happiness. Of course, there's lots of books that you could find, self-help books that speak of happiness and that is always what we have been offered for. There are so many, many talks and books that speak of ways that we could be happy because it seems that we are always searching for that. It seems that the world is just so full of ugliness It's just so full of of negativity, just full of sadness to the point that it seems that there's a big market for all of these things that could lead people into that space of happiness. But you made them rich through those books and through those self-help things that that they have done. But what does the scripture then say about about joy? Well, firstly, joy is not an emotion, but a choice. Let me make that clear. The Bible speaks clearly that joy is not an emotion, but a choice. You see, when it is an emotional thing, it's just easy to do. When, when something is good, then immediately there's just an emotional reaction and emotional response on your part. And you enjoy that, and you feel satisfied. But to what degree? And to what extent that it would even last? And for Paul, he was telling us in in, in chapter 4 of Philippians that it is actually a matter of choice. In verses 11 to 13, Scripture tells us, and Paul tells us, that I am satisfied even in plenty or in want. Regardless of my situation, Paul said, I could be contented and I have learned to be contented in all of these situations. To the point that he even declared, oh, that was fast. I'll, I'll deal with that later on. In verses 11 to 13, Paul said, I have learned to be contented in whatever situation I am in, whether in plenty or in want, whether when I'm hungry, 
I am still contented. You see, my friends, when we speak of joy, we should not be looking for things that are external that could give us that kind of, of, of external emotional response. It is looking for something that could make us contented no matter what situation we are in. Because the truth is, there are so many things in our lives that we could not change. There are so many things that you would be experiencing in life that could always defeat you. I do not know what your situation is right now. But if you are looking for, for happiness and just, or, or joy in your relationships, relationships would fail you. Marriages break down. Even your kids would not follow the same path that you have paid them to take. One day you are, you are healthy and then the next day you realize that you are so sick and dying. You don't have control over your life. And that's why Paul said, do not be anxious in anything, but with prayer and supplication, give thanks to God. To God. And Jesus has always reminded that, that even in Matthew 6, 33, don't worry and don't be anxious about the future because you do not even have control over all those things. The Bible is just so clear that what we need to look for would be things that could make us contented. And for Paul, it reminds us that we need to seek for that joy for something that is not just sourced from the outside. There's a beautiful story, well, well a book actually, that was written by Russell Conwell. Russell Conwell is a Baptist minister, and he wrote this book in around, I think, 1915. And the title of the book is Acres of Diamonds. I'm not sure if you have, if you have uh, read that book. It's very short. But the story of these acres of diamonds was this. There was this rich man, and he has all the riches in the world. And so he was happy, he was satisfied. He was contented because he was rich, and he was rich because he was contented. Let me say that again. He was contented because he was rich, and he was rich because he was contented. One day, a, a traveler passed by the village and met the, the rich man. And the, the traveler said to the rich man, you know what? Your riches are nothing. Out there, there are acres and acres of diamonds. The moment you discover that, you would, you would have everything that you want. It's more than what you have right now. And for the first time, the rich man reflected that he was poor compared to those riches out there, compared to those acres of diamonds. And so for the first time, that man became discontented. He was discontented because he was poor compared to those acres of diamonds. But he was poor because he was discontented. He was discontented because he was poor. He was poor because he was discontented. And so what the rich man did was to sell everything that he had, all his property, which is such a large property with, 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 where there's actually a river at the back of his property. 
He sold everything just to search for those acres of diamonds. He searched and searched and searched, and he was not able to find those acres of diamond, and he just died a poor man. But the story did not end there. The story goes further, wherein the person who bought the property from the rich man, one day, that new owner passed by and was walking on the, on the, on the side of the river, or beside the river, and he saw something glittering on the water. And so he, he waded on the river, and he picked it up, and he realized that it was a diamond. That river was full of diamonds. What might be the moral lesson of the story? Oftentimes, we look for something that could satisfy us from outside when in fact it's just near us or it's even just within us. These are the things that we need to look for today. You have to make the choice to be joyful. You need to make a choice that even in the midst of of, of hunger and want, you could still express that kind of satisfaction and contentment. And which brings us to the second lesson that Paul is teaching us. That the source of joy is God. It is not sourced from anything else. It is not sourced from any external circumstances. It is not sourced even from relationships. It's not even sourced from all the material things that you have. The source of joy is God. You see, Galatians 5.22 reminds us that joy is actually one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So that means that joy is not actually the product of anything else, but really the product of the work of God that is in you. Joy, and you could only be joyful when God is present in your life. It is not to seek for anything else. It is not to seek for material things. It is not even to seek for a better job or a good relationship. It is a search for God. It is to allow God to be present in you, not from that which is outside of you. It is God who resides in you through the Holy Spirit. To the point that Paul could even say in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul was saying is that I I can overcome all of these problems. I can overcome all of these sufferings. I can overcome all of these tragedies that beset me. Because Christ is in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so no matter what struggles you are in, you can do all things. You, you, you can overcome all of these things because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in you. And you know what's interesting about the, the statement of Paul about rejoicing? And you could see this in the whole of Philippians, by the way, when he said rejoice. He was able to say rejoice when in fact he was even in prison. I mean, how could it be? How, could, how is it possible for a person to speak about rejoice in the Lord always when his circumstance does not allow such kind of positivity? He was in prison. He was suffering. That's not the situation where you would be expecting yourself and be, and be able to express that kind of, of hope and satisfaction and contentment in life. In fact, it was in one of the personal experiences of Paul that he was able to experience the presence and the work of God to the point that people received Christ 
through that testimony while he was in prison. And I think that's the same question that we need to ask ourselves. How can you testify for the presence of God while you are suffering? How, how, can, you, how can you express the joy of being in Christ even when you are in hardships, even if you have lost your job, or even if, you have, if your marriage had broken down, or your family is just full of, of messiness? How, how can you express and be a testimony for Christ even in the midst of all the negative things that take place in your life. Even when you're dying. Even when you have lost someone. How can you testify for the glory and the presence of God in your life? Friends, this is the reality that we live in in this world. It's full of suffering. Wars and violence. Just getting out there would be that you would realize the, 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 the messiness of this world. And yet for Paul, even experiencing that, that suffering in, in, inside prison, he could proclaim, rejoice, and I am contented because Christ is in me and strengthening me. And this brings us to the third point that Paul is telling us today that joy is an expression of trust in God. Joy is an expression of trust in God. You see, Paul was not really focusing on his, himself or even his predicament. While in prison, he was not focusing on the things that make him suffer. Instead, his focus was on Jesus, who was the author and finisher of his faith. That is what we are being led into today. We are being led to focus our eyes on Jesus. If you're struggling right now, even in the midst of the fact that this is supposed to be a wonderful day and a wonderful season to, to just to be joyful, this is summer. The sun is out. And we're supposed to be expressing that kind of joy unlike when, when there's winter. But if this is a winter season in your life, how can you still express that trust in God no matter what? Even in the midst of darkness, there is light. And so how can you express that trust in God in the midst of that situation that you are in? There's a beautiful proverb which says, when you have nothing left but God, then you become aware that God is enough. When you have nothing left but God, then you become aware that God is enough. There's a beautiful scripture passage in Habakkuk chapter 3, and let me read that. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. If you have your scripture with you, just underscore that with me, underline that with me, because that's such a powerful statement. And we, we rarely even read Habakkuk, by the way. Do you know where, what portion of that is scripture in the Bible? But it's, 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 such an amazing, it's such an amazing text about what it means to be joyful even in the Lord. Chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the, on the vines... 
even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God who is my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Interesting thing, that even in the midst of that suffering, he could still rejoice. And so let's go back to that question, what makes you happy? And the result of the survey says, oh, interesting. Family and friends, 35 people in this congregation said that family and friends make them happy. And second, only that God, worship, and Jesus, 19, said that it makes them happy. And six said, music makes them happy. And the last one, peace, four among you said that you're happy by being peaceful. The truth is, my friends, the question that we need to be asking today would be that which would not make us happy, but that which would make us joyful. And so no matter what responses you have made, the fact is, there's only one person, there's only one thing that could make you joyful, and that is the presence of God in your life. Let me add, and let me end by this statement, this quotation. Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. Joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. Friends, no matter what situation you are in right now, Let the presence of God be in you and be with you. Express your joy. And so we would be reflecting on that today. What is your source of joy? And let's give ourselves a couple of minutes to pray and to reflect. And if you are struggling right now, then this would be the best place for you to reflect on the presence of God. Amen.